0: Hello and welcome back to Equity, a podcast about the business of startups where we unpack the numbers and nuance behind the headlines. I'm Natasha Mascarenas and this is our Wednesday show where we niche down into a single topic, think about a question and unpack the rest. This week we're asking, how is Web3 blowing up venture's traditional playbook? As always, I am joined by Alex Wilhelm. Alex, we don't talk about crypto in our funding round section too often, do we? Do we ever bring up crypto on our show?
1: We do occasionally, but definitely not enough, given how frequent I see these rounds come across my screen. So I'm really glad we're taking the time to focus, to niche down, to really dig into this because there's a lot of interesting mechanics and nuances to it. There's a lot to unpack.
0: Definitely. I mean, I think that this show—I'll speak for myself because everyone here is super smart—but I feel like I am often confused by the conversations we're seeing happening in crypto, and so. I I've been really desperate to find natural on-ramps to write about it. In this case, when we're looking at how Web3 is impacting venture and a lot of the early stage venture capitalists that I speak to, it's kind of like the middle ground. A lot of them are pivoting as well. So they're learning how to speak the language, how to win deals, how to change their mind. And that's really where this question originated. So think of this, if you're not a crypto expert, as a way to like start understanding how something that has clearly become unavoidable is changing things in a way that we really can't not talk about on the show.
1: And the good news is we've been hiring here at TechCrunch and we have Dragooned, one of our recent hires, one of our star recent hires, if I may, to come on the pod with us to help us elucidate what's going on. So, Natasha, who do we have here?
0: Yes. So we have TechCrunch's new senior crypto reporter, Jacqueline Melanick. Jacqueline, say hello. And you're calling in from your dad's office. So tell us a little bit about that, too. (laughs) Hi.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah, I'm calling in from my parents' house, but I usually live in New York City. And I am TechCrunch's newest senior crypto reporter, and I'm excited to be
0: here. And how is Alex as a boss? Like, I just, I need to ask you on air before we get into (laughs) the show. It's It's a very easy time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is is actually a safe space, Jackie. So you can actually say whatever you want. And by the rules of equity, I can't say shit. So please.
2: (laughs) Alex is great. He lets me work independently and he checks in on me on occasion. And you know, he's just a super cool guy. Just like equity shows, for sure.
0: Oh, wait, that's so much nicer than I wanted you to be. Alex used to be my boss I know. as well. But he also was great. Yeah. So Ask me in a I month's time. Maybe I'll change my mind. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, Perfect. this is still
1: the grace period, so... <laughs>
0: So obviously, us three are together to, yeah, one, just have Jackie on the pod. She's great. And it's going to be super fun to have you on the team. But I wanted to start by just getting all of our takes on what the venture scene looks like right now for crypto companies, especially in comparison to a lot of what we're talking about for the past two months, which is markets cooling down. So Jacqueline, you pulled up some pitch book data in the piece we wrote together. What were some of the big numbers that we've seen going into the private market so far?
2: Yeah. So last year, over 30 Billion dollars of capital pulled into the crypto world. It was about thirty-two billion, and then this year alone, we've seen eleven billion dollars already, and one billion of that was this month, and we're not even halfway through April. So there's a ton of capital pooling into this space, and it seems like it's never ending every week.
0: I'm glad we're not alone in feeling that because I feel like numbers a lot of the times can just either completely take us by shock or just like validate our biggest concerns. But I mean, one thing that Alex, you've done a good job reporting on with our Monday at show is how volatile Bitcoin prices have been. So like, how does that square up with private market investment?
1: Well, it's it's a fascinating point because we're seeing increasing alignment between the price of Bitcoin and changes in the NASDAQ. In fact, that parity just reaches highest level of coherence we've seen, I think, in history. At the same time, there's so many different assets in the world of crypto So many different ways to approach money and function that it's all quite variable. I mean, you can see the two major coins and chains, Bitcoin and Ethereum do one thing. And then all the altcoins, aka coins, if you will, go completely the other direction. It's hard to figure out like how to describe it because there's not quite a NASDAQ composite or a Dow Jones industrial average. So you have to parse the numbers. I will say crypto prices have been steady-ish. Jackie, I think it's fair to say, like nothing too crazy up and down, some gyrations, but nothing like 2017 or 2020.
2: Yeah, prices right now, I think are pretty fair. Obviously, we could go bull or bear market and we'll see. But especially with VC investments, they're going to invest regardless of what the market's doing.
0: And take this as you will, but we have seen a lot of venture capital firms also start to not just invest in crypto as part of their strategy, but really create dedicated arms. I mean, there's Bain Capital, Crypto, there's Andreessen, there's Sequoia Capital and, and Lightspeed. And I think making that distinction has also maybe taken away a little of the excuse of this is just hype investing and more like, well, we're dedicating now a lot of people and a lot of money to just one sector.
2: Yeah, definitely. And we're seeing with these major like venture asset managers, they're creating these crypto strategy focused funds. And it's no longer just investing in a crypto company, but they're creating whole divisions to get into it. And I think the dynamics of Crypto itself needs that because you can't just have someone who's used to investing in Web2 companies suddenly invest in Web3. They're not going to understand it the same way that a crypto-focused VC firm would. Right now, we're seeing like a major influx of these traditional investors entering the space alongside existing crypto-native companies and firms that already are investing. So going back to what Alex was saying about the current market conditions... Crypto-native companies are going to invest regardless of what's going on. Bitcoin could be tanking, Bitcoin could be skyrocketing, and they're going to be in this space. They signed up for this, they understand market volatility, and they're here for the long haul. As for the existing venture firms like Andreessen or Lightspeed or Bain Capital or Sequoia, to name a few, it really depends and we'll see how they stay in the next market cycles.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be curious to see about that. But I was recently going through a recent interview with Chris Dixon and The Verge, and he was talking about how they might be, I think it was like merging their crypto funds into their main funds, essentially indicating that what was once a spinoff or a subsidiary or a secondary effort is becoming kind of the primary focus. And so I think that firms like Andreessen that we put into the traditionalist bucket, if you will, which is ironic for a firm that was recently the insurgent, <laughs> you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago, not that long. They seem to be kind of shifting their strategy. And I have a hypothesis about this. I wanted to kind throw at you guys, which is if you think about the world of software investment, it's been kind of figured out. And that's why we saw a lot of late stage money from the public markets kind of crowd into the unicorn area because you know it's SaaS. You can kind of just run the numbers on it. It's not that hard. If you're looking for alpha, if you're looking for a way to kind of beat the market, you have to kind of probably go a bit more afield. And if you're not going to do biotech, which also involves a lot of domain expertise and knowledge, crypto is probably the other thing that you can put a lot of money into. And so to me, from that lens, it kind of makes sense that VCs are flocking this way because they need to put up numbers that allow them to raise more capital and keep their game going.
0: An interesting like addition is, I was talking to someone who was basically saying that we know that crypto is a huge opportunity, but we just also know that the hype is too hard to really wade through at this point. So the reason we see so many party rounds in crypto is because people just want to put like, a cute 100K into 50 companies. So they de-risk themselves from the outcomes that you're detailing. Which, you know, is definitely sad when you think about it. You're like, oh, I thought party rounds were like kind of this like fun, like community round, but no, it's just investors <laughs> wanting to de-risk themselves so they don't miss out on the next Coinbase.
1: Yeah. I think that the, the idea of a party round being something that's fun is strictly because the name is called party. Like we should have named, named it, like... it
0: like so true. It worked on me. It totally <laughs> worked on me. I was like, this is so fun.
1: What do VCs love it when they have a, a belief? Oh, conviction. I call a party round a lack conviction round because everyone just chipped in 20 bucks. It's like when you're ordering dinner and you don't want to buy the whole thing. So you chip in 20 bucks for like a couple slices of pizza party round.
0: Wow. Yes. Let's rename it (laughs) right here, right
1: now. (laughs) It's the bad pizza round, AKA no one really loves it. No, I agree with your point, but this brings up really a core element that we've been talking about as a three, which is the idea of centralization. And when you do have a party round, for example, you're going to have more individual groups putting capital into a company, which spreads out the ownership a little bit or decentralizes it, which is a key word in the crypto, I'll just call ethos industry. We, I think, see tension between firms like Andreessen that invest in a traditional way a lot of the time, which is looking to create a large stake in a company to own a double-digit percentage of the shares. And I know we'll get into tokens in a minute, but I'm curious, how much of a tension is there amongst crypto community people when it comes to VCs wanting to buy large stakes of these companies and therefore centralizing ownership when they're working on a market that is inherently or at least putatively decentralized?
0: I think decentralization is the most interesting concept that keeps me wanting to pay attention to crypto. Where I get lost though is technically, how does this look? We get that you believe in no one having authority, but when it comes down to like equity and ownership of a company, tokens is the word I keep seeing popping around. What is kind of the role of tokens in this conversation? And then maybe we can get to like how easy and hard that is when you're trying to decentralize your company.
2: Yeah, definitely. So in crypto, there's this thing called tokenized equity. And it's issuing a digital token native to the company or protocol or project, whatever entity it may be. But it's not like traditional equity because both retail investors and institutions or VCs or angel investors can own it. So, for example, we have Avalanche and their AVAX token or Solana and their Sol token. Things like that are a digital token that they can give to investors, but they can also keep for themselves or just have people buy on crypto exchanges.
1: Is there a distinction between Tokens in the keeping of like tokenized equity versus just having like a token. Because when I think of owning, for example, let's say I own one Bitcoin, like one aggregate Bitcoin, I don't think of that as like tokenized equity versus like owning a a non ownershipy asset, if that makes sense. And so I'm curious about the distinction between the two. Yeah,
2: there's definitely differences between them. And I guess with Bitcoin, for starters, there is no CEO, there's no one up top. Bitcoin network runs by itself. So that's its own thing. But aside from Bitcoin, there's different ownership structures and voting powers in a traditional sense, like a VC or an entity with like investors would have with like a board or control over a firm. But in this case, we're seeing that there's a governance structure where you and I can vote, even if we're not majority stakeholders in these projects, protocols, or blockchains, whatever it may be.
1: Okay. Okay. That helps.
0: Definitely. Getting back to like kind of our core question of like, how is Web3 blowing up ventures traditional playbook? It's pretty obvious. It's much more complicated than exchanging a percent of your company for money. And the story that me and Jacqueline just wrote together was really looking into how different investors are changing up literally just like how they show up to meetings, what they define a value add. So I thought maybe it would be helpful for us to first talk a little bit about the kinds of investors we're seeing really go into the crypto world yeah do you want to start with the investors that maybe are doing both tokens and traditional equity yeah so there's definitely traditional
2: hybrid or like token first structures that we're seeing across the space and across the community like the crypto community they don't want one vc or one investor to have a major ownership because they could outpower the community in votes and also pull away from like the true meaning of Decentralization and Web3 and what everything in crypto is kind of founded upon. So, if a token holder owns too much of a network project or whatever it may be, that's going to be too centralized for Web3 and crypto. And that's really what separates that from Web2 and other areas is that the community members and the people who created these protocols and projects want it to be decentralized. They don't want one firm or investor to have majority ownership. So, something we're seeing is that. In general, Web3 is all about community. I think I could harp on this for a while, but if you have 20 to 30% ownership of a token, that would never, ever, first of all, be allowed. You could have 20 to 30% ownership of equity in a project or a company. But when it comes to their token, I was hearing that like they wouldn't give you more than like 5% because then that impacts the voting, it impacts the decentralization opposed to like the company structure itself. Does that make
0: sense? Almost. Almost? I think we need a metaphor. I think we need an Alex Wilhelm metaphor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh God. I can only make those when I understand what That's we're talking about. I didn't offer one. <laughs> and in this case, there's a distinction that I'm super curious about here, which is that we're talking about buying equity ownership in an entity associated with a token to keep this at its mm-hmm. most like you know relaxed level. And I won't be allowed to purchase, for example, a one-fifth or 20% stake in the token, but I might be able to invest, if I'm a venture capitalist looking at Web3, a bunch of money into the entity behind the token. So the upside differential matters because the token could appreciate very rapidly even if the company itself wasn't repriced. And the company isn't just the token. But the token is certainly part of the company. So the company's value is certainly predicated in part on the token. So are we splitting hairs here that are almost unnecessary as a way to find a way to give investors a chance to own a bigger stake?
2: I think something that's important to note here is that when it comes to the tokens, an an individual investor, whether it be like a VC firm or a major stakeholder... They can dump on the retail investors if they have too much voting power or too much liquidity, and they can completely derail a project or protocol or whatever it may be. And so the situation here is like if they had all this equity, they could sell the equity after a certain amount of time. But oftentimes when they have equity, they hold to it much longer than they would a token. And usually with tokens, there's a vesting period, they have to hold it for a certain amount of time. There's a lot of little like nuances there. But the main concern and the reason they can't hold 20, 30, 40% of a token is that they could really hurt the project long term because this is capital that it needs. And for them to be able to pull it out and sell it, you know, as you said, if the market goes up, that could cause a lot of
0: problems later on. It's making sense. I'm okay. smiling because it's making sense.
1: <laughs> this is helping out me too. So essentially, if you think about a startup, their stock really isn't liquid until they go public. Sure, there's some secondary markets and whatever, but but functionally, it's it's illiquid. But if you are investing in a startup that is building a protocol and has a token, that is going to be liquid much earlier. And so essentially you have to de-risk the possibility of a whale or a large owner of a particular token, in Mm -hmm. this case an investor, being able to push the price around or perhaps control voting long-term if these tokens are associated with votes like in a DAO or decentralized autonomous organization. So because they trade earlier, you have to have different protections. That actually makes some sense to me. The equity token split, eh. But at least that bit makes, that's clear.
0: Yeah, bringing it to like maybe someone who's not a crypto native investor or angel investor. I guess it's pretty smart then if they make sure that their fund is not just focused on trying to get equity, but also liquid tokens and kind of just like a hybrid strategy, which requires, I'm sure, conversations to LPs on on how complicated this is and explanation why ownership is never going to look like, Jacqueline, to your point, this 20% stake that so many early stage investors, I mean, maybe in the past had gotten used to.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think going back to that point, you could have 10% equity, but you'll not have 10% of its native token. And that's not something that VCs are very happy to to learn. And Going back to the beginning of this conversation, that's why it's so important to have investors who understand this space, because they would understand the reason behind that, opposed to someone who's not too familiar with the category or everything at hand.
1: Okay. So we've talked a little bit about decentralization, a little bit about tokens, and a little bit about ownership. All this is predicated on the idea that venture capitalists need to put money into these things so that they work. My question is, like: there's so much wealth in the crypto space more generally. Why do we need hat MBAs to roll in with old school venture vehicles to fund these companies, you know, all of a sudden we are going to make it or wag me up on Twitter and board aping their PFP and all this shit. It's very, you know, how do you do fellow kids? And so why do we need them? Why do we just leave all the old firms behind and just let crypto native people with crypto native currencies fund crypto native projects? Why even fuck around with fiat?
2: Well, it's yeah, it's decentralized. It's an open playing field. If they want to get in, Alex, they could get in. Doesn't mean they'll be the best people getting into the space. But I mean, founders have the control right now in Web3 and they are not begging for money. It is oversubscribed <laughs> rounds. We're seeing tons of capital coming in. And honestly, it's up to them who they take. One of the VC funds I was talking to recently, he said that there's so many investors out there, they're seriously looking for what value do they add opposed to how much capital can they give me? So with the case of these like major traditional old school firms, it's what value can they add That would stop me from picking all these other investors.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about value add for a few minutes because that also kind of was a bridge between my world in early stage venture and now this new world of what early stage crypto companies need. And Mercedes-Benz had a tweet, I guess, six months ago or so. Just kidding, four months ago. Time is going by. She basically said how, like, established roles in companies look so different when you turn them into Web3. So a software engineer becomes a software editor. A community manager becomes a value manager. A game designer becomes an economy designer. And that was one way to put it. But another way to put it was that a lot of these founders, they don't need help going public. They don't need help hiring executives, but they might need help designing tokens and dealing with specific taxes. And to me, that really summed up why if you are an emerging fund manager who maybe isn't the most well-versed in this space, your value add really needs to be like, we will be your translation layer to the rest of the world. Like if I was a VC right now, I would be like, I don't know anything. I'm not going to try getting a big percent of your company, but I can help you with your (laughs) go-to-market.
1: One thing I'm curious about when it comes to value add is not actually bringing value in an additional sense, but just kind of being in the correct mind space or having the right vibe. There seems to be a lot of discussion in the crypto community about fitting into the current narratives and tropes. I don't mean that really is a bad thing. Virtue signaling isn't inherently a negative, but people love to say GM. They love to say we're going to make it. They love to have all these kind of like shibboleths around the crypto space. And so how important is it for investors if they want to get allocation to be relatively hip to the current slang, lingo, movement, moment? Et
2: I think it's extremely important. I think community is really what drives crypto at the end of the day, because how can you create an industry without people backing it? So for these companies, in order to fit in and get in with the community and investors or anyone in the crypto space, they have to understand where everyone else stands here. And it's so important to them. And I even hear sometimes for some companies, they're like, we don't even care about the equity. We care about the value that these other investors bring like we have the capital we're holding on to it we don't need it right now but we want these investors because they're teaching us and guiding our ship so at the end of the day i think the biggest takeaway i've learned from other founders and vc investors is that crypto really cares about community and making sure that these organizations protocols projects whatever it may be can last beyond one person or one vc's decision
0: i've loved seeing crypto kind of disrupt how our definition of what a founder-friendly market looks like, for a long time. Founder-friendly mean that you have your options of investors and you can kind of sort through your offers. But it sounds like it goes a step further when it comes to these companies in that, one, they don't necessarily need the money in the same way. But also, they have a list of requirements of what they're willing to give and what they need. And I think that just, like, creates a healthy conversation. Especially when we see a lot of conversations about discipline and high-growth unicorns pushed over by venture capital incentives happening all over the ecosystem right now. To me, it just feels like a healthy conversation kind of like okay it's definitely a lot of hype but there's hype on both ends yes a lot of companies are just buzz but investors are also buzz in this way wanting to just put a few dollars in so i feel like it's an important thing to remember
2: yeah hype will exist i think across any new industry especially as you know tons of capital pools in but regardless of the way the market's going right now people will invest
0: Perfect. Well, and I wanted to bring up one thing that I thought was really interesting, which is I was talking to Freestyle's Jenny Lefcourt and she's great. She she basically explained they recently closed their sixth fund and they only lead 10 seed stage rounds a year. So like as disciplined and high conviction, low volume as you can get. But she talked about their crypto strategy and it was kind of like we're going to do smaller checks and not be as... Focused on valuation, but she said something that kind of reminded me about what you've been up to, Alex, in understanding NFTs. She was like, crypto is not the kind of space where you can kind of read stories and stand by the sidelines. You have to get in the middle of it. We really look at our crypto investments as like a teaching thesis more than us She basically admitted, as it's in our story, that she's not a paradigm and she never will be. Mm -hmm. And I kind of loved that take because I do think that that maybe is where we'll see more people onboarded, which is like just starting to try to get involved. Crypto seems specific in that way, unlike some of the other hype categories. You kind of have to participate to get it.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think the biggest way to learn in this space is by using and doing And getting into it using the DeFi protocols, buying an NFT, downloading even a MetaMask, learning what that takes is the simple beginner step to understand what the ecosystem represents and like what's involved in it. So I think that's definitely important. You know, um, it kind of reminds me of like Shark Tank in a sense, like when they're like, oh, I don't understand this, I'm out. And it's like, you don't really need to be deep in the crypto space to fully be able to invest in this. If you use it, you get a bit of an understanding. You can put capital towards it.
1: Yeah. You don't really understand the need for side chains or sharding <laughs> until you have to pay a gas fee. That's more than the thing yeah. you want to buy. And those are some crypto words I've learned to covering this stuff. Natasha, can I throw in one tiny little thing before we go? Please. So I was just listening and I've been thinking about value creation. Not value add from the investor side, but, but value coming the other direction, coming back towards investors or founders or whatever. And if you made me decide between getting an allocation of equity in a company in the Web3 sense or a token allocation. You know, I think I would so heavily skew towards the token because that is going to be the thing that trades, that's liquid, that sees the most appreciation, whereas the company itself it almost seems like an afterthought or like a like a shell company stuck in the fiat world attached to the real value creation on the crypto side of things. And so I wonder what exits are going to look like for investors in these companies because they don't have the same kind of issues that we talked about with illiquidity in, in private companies. Like when a token lockup ends, does that just kind of like let investors just like cash out? And there's nuance and dynamics here that are distinct from what we've learned historically in the venture and startup space that I don't think have been fully figured out. And I wonder if some people have spent a lot of money buying the wrong thing and are going to end up not holding the bag, but not getting the bag.
0: It's like the exact answer to the why now of this conversation because Web3's rise and disruption is all happening while venture has raised massive amounts of money. <laughs> (laughs) and needs to do something with them. So a lot of mistakes have already been made over the past two years in just trying to play catch up. And now we might see them made in other ways, more technical ways. But Jacqueline, I'll throw the mic to you last. When we think about these big dollars coming in, a lot of the technicalities and demands that we just spoke about in this episode, like what happens next? Or what should startups listening be taking away from those two dynamics clashing?
2: Yeah, I think going back to some of the key phrases we hear across the crypto community, we're still early is a major one that they should (laughs) understand and that they have a chance to get in this year or they were building behind the scenes. So there's really a lot of capital to be deployed in this space. We saw so many funds come into the space last year and those funds have to put that money out. They have to invest it. So we're going to continue to see this grow. I think there's still space, a ton of space.
0: I kind of love that venture is like, instead of founders are entering like a really tough market. Like I'm just so ready for them to have to get their shit together. (laughs) Because yes, you can ask founders to be profitable, but you also need to just know what you're doing. But anyways, thank you so much for both of you for joining us. Alex, you're fantastic as always. Jacqueline, this will definitely not be your last time on Equity. So we'll see you back probably <laughs> tomorrow. So, Amazing. Thank <laughs> appreciate you your so time. much for
1: having me. And don't forget, a small note, TechCrunch Early Stage is this week. So Natasha and I will be recording Equity from somewhere, probably in that building. So if you see us sitting in the hallway with two microphones, wave, but don't interrupt because we're trying to record. <laughs> But TechCrunch (laughs) events are back. We are going IRL this year. Get excited. We are looking forward to seeing everyone around the nation. Boston, San Francisco. We just did Austin. So lots lots to come. So we'll see you all soon.
0: It's going to be so fun. And actually on the note of housekeeping, two things. One, if you like this episode, we actually have a column about it on TechCrunch Plus. So use code equity for a pretty good discount and you can check out the story. And there's also another crypto podcast joining the TechCrunch pod family. So Chain Reaction is coming out next week. Everyone should tune in. We will have everyone on and we'll do some promoting, but this is just a sneak peek that you will listen to now.